Hey guys, welcome to episode 114 of A Wrestling Gal Podcast, providing you with the female perspective on all things wrestling. Join me, your host and wrestling enthusiast, Ella J. As today, I am joined by former TNA Knockouts champion, Taylor Wilde. Now let's chat! Hello everybody, today I am joined by former TNA Knockouts Champion and TNA Knockouts Tag Team Champion and fellow podcaster, Taylor Wilde. So how are you doing today, Taylor? Oh, I'm wonderful. How are you doing? I'm wonderful to be chatting with you. You got a lot going on, girls. So kudos to you with everything. I don't know how you balance it at all. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, I don't. Fair <laughs> I'm a mess. <laughs> but you know what? I honestly, I'm one of those people, the more I do, the more I can do. Um, I don't know if you can relate to that, but uh, I get bored quite easily. So I- I'm in a-, a happy, thriving place, even though I'm incredibly busy. Yeah. But firstly, how are you feeling as we delve into this brand new year, new year of 2021? I know 2020 is behind us, but it kind of still feels the same. How do you feel about that? <laughs> You know, I try, <laughs> I try not to fixate too much on all the negatives. Like yeah. we are living in a totally different world than, you know, 2019 or even mm-hmm. early few months of 2020. Right. Um, just, you know, trying to take it day by day. I'm trying to stay positive and, um, I'm just trying to focus on the things that I am able to do. And that's, um, you know, be present to my family, uh, be present with my friends, work on my podcast, uh, work out at home and, uh, you know, get out in nature. How about you? Um, basically, yeah, working, doing my podcast, um, editing and stuff, trying to stay sane with my friends, basically trying to fill time, like whether it's watching Netflix and stuff, like you said, I hate being bored, but sometimes I do like being bored and to relax and stuff, but not often it's go, 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 you know, even though we're in a pandemic, it's still go, 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 especially with you working 24 hours straight as a (laughs) firefighter, correct? Yes, that is correct. Um, I just got off work this morning. Yeah. So you got even more on your plate than I do. So kudos to you, like I said, for somehow maintaining it all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Now, for someone like yourself who is native to Toronto, Canada, and I'm actually not that far as I'm in Buffalo, New York. So, you know, just a little like hour and a half, two hour drive. I need to know what is your go to Tim Hortons order? This is very important. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, well, because I have a toddler, uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's always an order of uh, assorted Timbits. Yep. Uh, I'm a medium regular coffee girl. I don't mind if it's dark roast or regular. Mm-hmm. And if I am peckish, then I usually go with the bacon sausage wrap. Classic. Now, the true <laughs> question is, though, do you prefer do you prefer Tim's, Starbucks, or Dunkin'? You're not a true Canadian if you don't answer this correctly, Taylor. Oh, uh, Tim's. Okay. Hands down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I've never really been a Starbucks person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we don't have any Dunkin' Donuts. But when I'm in the States, I like coffee, but I like shit coffee. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's why I like my Tim's. <laughs> 
Fair enough. To be honest, though, like people like hype up Starbucks, but at least for me, their hot chocolate is shit. But Tim Hortons hot chocolate is amazing. That's just maybe it's just me. But it, do you do you have you tried their hot chocolate? Like, what are your thoughts? Oh, yes. And of course, the hot chocolate for me is nostalgic. Like it tastes like mm-hmm. my childhood. That's yeah. what my parents would get me when we went to an outdoor skating rink. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get a donut, you get a hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're burnt out and you don't want too much caffeine, you can do half hot chocolate, half Tim's uh, coffee, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful thing. And then the candy cane. I feel like I'm doing like a... Can we get me a Tim Horton sponsor here? But yes. the candy cane hot chocolate <laughs> from Tim's around the holidays, delicious. Mwah. You know what's really good, though, is half hot chocolate, half French vanilla. It is, Ooh. like, the greatest thing ever that, that I, like, like, ever a- discovered. It's so good. That's like a sugar rush and a half. I know. It's like a <laughs> shot of caramel, but that's just me. But I am glad that you brought up skating because I am aware you used to be a part-time power skating instructor. So that intertwined yeah. with your experience as a ringette on the ice or how exactly did you become involved in teaching skating? For sure. Um, growing up uh, in Canada, uh, boys played hockey, girls mm-hmm. played ringette because uh, in 1986, women's hockey wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. So they came up with a quirky sport where you're on the ice, full equipment. You have hockey stick, but the blade is lopped off. So it's just the stick. And hmm. instead of a puck, you have a blue rubber ring, kind of like floor hockey. Yeah. Um, and I started playing that when I was six years old and uh, I got really good. I got really competitive. I played for Team Ontario, so I represented the province. And um, when I was, it must have been grade nine. So in high school, uh, I was looking for my first part-time job and I was very well uh, versed in power skating and and I love teaching. So that, that was one of my first jobs was teaching power skating. Now, what was one of the biggest things you teach for someone like me who is like afraid of the ice? What is like one thing that if you could teach a beginner, what would it be? Yeah, for sure. It's just, you know, becoming comfortable on the ice. And that is literally holding on to the boards and learning how to take steps. So with with my little ones, you know, when they can't skate, their ankles are wobbling all over the place <laughs> and it's adorable. But that's the first thing you learn is how to stand. Uh, people want to run before they can walk and you literally have to learn how to walk on the ice. So all little kids, they take these big arduous steps like and uh yeah you just you have to you have to trust the ice be one with the ice <laughs> fair enough we are from the north so we have to embrace the ice and the cold and all of that yeah. i just i suck on skates on rollerblades anything like that i just suck on really? and I, I always yeah i always fall down and it it hurts for a good like a couple <laughs> days afterwards so maybe i need to like get over that fear and get out there you know once everything's back open up to get over that fear i don't know <laughs> you know it's repetition too just like little mm-hmm. bit by little bit so yeah if you get out there for like 10 minutes a few times a week you'll be more and more confident and it'll just come to you it's like it's like riding a bike you could figure it out yeah hopefully we'll see <laughs> now i know too you're a huge fan of hard rock you actually took drum lessons after being in orchestra for a while so do you still play the drums at all I, I don't have a drum kit at okay. my disposal, but if I see one, I, I hop on there and I pretend that I know what I'm doing. I just like making noise. Mm. I love music. So, yeah. <laughs> if I had the opportunity, God, I'd love to. If you could rate your sk- your skills then from when you were actively like playing from 1 to 10, how good do you think you were? Oh, God. No, I <laughs> like three. <laughs> uh, okay. 
Fair enough. Now, if you could have any rock band or artist play your entrance music live out to the ring, who would it be and why, since you are a huge fan of hard rock? Ooh, uh, I would have to go classic Riot Girl, and I'd say mm-hmm. Bikini Kill. And uh, they were really influential uh, in the grunge rock movement in the 90s in Seattle, like really close with Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, the, that Rebel Girl song, that is like my mm-hmm. the anthem I'd love to live by. So, yeah, if, if I could get anybody, it would definitely be Bikini Kill. And I'd probably like, <laughs> you know, kick over a table and fucking flip chairs. Oh, excuse me. I don't know if I can swear on this you, podcast. You can, yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> get excited. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun to party with you. I feel like at uh, a rock concert. No, yeah, it's it's been tough though with like not being able to go to concerts and all that. So, do you remember what your last like memory of a concert was before all of this? Oh, you're not gonna want to know. Oh, okay, I have a toddler. Oh, the yeah, last concert I went to <laughs> was the Wiggles. Oh. <laughs> Um, but the last adult mm-hmm. concert I went to was, uh, Marilyn Manson and, mm-hmm. oh, he is an incredible performer. Have you had the chance to see Manson live? I have not yet, unfortunately. But I Honestly, it's like a religious experience. Uh-huh. If you are a hard rock, heavy metal, new mm-hmm. metal fan, you got to see Manson live in your lifetime and also see the Wiggles. I had a blast. <laughs> Well, very diverse in your concert experience. <laughs> now, what are some other artists or songs that pump you up or lift up your spirits? Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, I would say that new metal was my first love mm-hmm. uh, as a preteen. So I like listening to uh, new metal. So, you know, Cold Chamber, Static X, Slipknot, Um and on the lighter side, you know, the Limp Biscuits, the Chord. Mm-hmm. I like, I really love 90s alternative rock and new metal. That's what gets me mm-hmm. way hyped up. Um, but you know what else I really like? I'm totally an eclectic. I also secretly really love classical music mm-hmm. uh, and uh, like a stringed acoustic versions of metal songs. Mm-hmm. Those get me pretty huh. hyped up too. Do you think that has anything to do with uh, your time in orchestra? I don't know if maybe you had an, a deeper appreciation for classical or like what was your experience like in orchestra? Because I genuinely yeah. don't know. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, stringed instruments really, really mm-hmm. hype me up. You know, cello, violin, viola, double bass. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think I, I truly loved playing the cello. I loved being in the orchestra. I was actually going to take, uh, cello in university and get Ooh. a degree in fine arts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got diverted because I had started wrestling. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I just took a, like a psychology degree because totally useless but um i just needed to take something but yeah like in grade 12 we had to arrange our own piece of music to play for our final and i actually um arranged disarm by the smashing pumpkins into a cello piece Mm -hmm. because there there is a little uh cello solo um so yeah i i i love i love classical music like before lockdown and all this craziness at least a few times a year i would drag my mom uh, to uh, the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. I do love classical music. Huh. So for someone like myself who 
I wouldn't say it's my least favorite, but I'm not as well educated on it. I guess I would say what is one piece or performance that you would suggest someone like me who wants to have a deeper appreciation for it? Check out. Ooh, do you like covers? Like, are, are I you do. Oh God, what? Uh, uh, God, it's not going to come to my mind at the moment. There's an amazing trio that does uh, covers. Oh, something Brothers covers. Ugh, I'd have to get back to you on that. It's okay, <laughs> it's not off the top of my head. But there's this incredible, incredible Brothers duo, uh, and they play like every current pop. Huh. Now, switching gears here, you are a self-proclaimed misfit. So can you elaborate on this? What makes Taylor Wilde a proud misfit? Oh, God. Well, (laughs) where do I begin? (laughs) Um, I've just, I've always been somebody true to myself. I'm an introverted extrovert. I've never really fit in anywhere in particular in school when everyone you know was starting to gravitate towards groups or cliques Mm -hmm. or musical interests I was always the quintessential floater Uh, I got along with the popular kids I got Mm -hmm. along with the goths I got along with the music dorks I uh, I'm just you know as a person not just my musical taste I'm a total eclectic and I just like good people. I have a very low tolerance for assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, I have low tolerance for discrimination, racism, systemic, anything, sexism, um, homophobia. And, uh, you know, I've always been the girl who likes music that might not be in vogue at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've just never really given a fuck where I fit in in the world and I'm quite happy in in my own skin. Obviously that's wavered and waned as I've gotten older and Mm -hmm. who I am, you know, I'm still getting to know me, but um, when I found professional wrestling, I really felt that uh, that was where one of the few places where I really fit in and uh, you know, yourself, that is a motley crew. And uh, Mm -hmm. You know, that that is the land of misfits. So I just always uh, have felt felt like a misfit. I, I don't really feel like I don't fit in, but I don't really feel like I fit in anywhere at the same time. So to me, that's what a misfit is. See, I find that interesting because for me, when I was growing up, so I'm 23 right now, and okay. you say that at like high school and then like 20s, whatever, you didn't give a fuck and you were like really, really confident with yourself. I feel like that's not the case with a lot of people. So I don't know if it was just that you had like this immense maturity or somehow you found that inner confidence in yourself, which I wish I had. And I feel like a lot of other people could. See, I find that so interesting, though, that you were so like confident and like didn't genuinely didn't care what others think because I feel like at that age you're kind of in adulthood and you're or you're around other people's late teen where there's a lot of judgment and everything so maybe it's just the time you grew up in but that's really really interesting and cool though that you kind of had that confidence since like a young age like that yeah thanks and you know I probably can attribute that to the way I was raised my Mm -hmm. parents uh, bless my mom. She always tried to make me a real girly girl, mm-hmm. uh, which just simply wasn't me. The more she tried to put me in dresses, the more mm-hmm. I pushed grasped yeah. tight onto mm-hmm. my Doc Martens, which I never let go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they never, they never really pushed me and they always just supported me. They, you know, I never came home in a cop car and I never, uh, was too much trouble. I wasn't, 
an angel by any means, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they really just supported who I was. And I, I think they could see from a young age as well that I was, as much as I was athletic, I am an eclectic and I am an artist. So, you know, they just supported who I was and uh, yeah. So but thank you. I feel like there was a compliment in there. So. There was. Yeah. You're, you're an all arounder with athletics, uh, eclecticness and all of that jazz. So you're definitely an all arounder. Nobody's perfect. So I wouldn't expect anybody to really be an angel. If they say they are, they're probably lying. So. Yeah. It's some bullshit. Oh, and by the way, I came to me speaking okay. of uh, being an eclectic, uh, the Brooklyn duo, that is Brooklyn the duo. brother and sister uh, piece that do acoustic covers of uh, modern day hits and I uh, I would start there <laughs> okay I'm definitely going to check them out because like I said I want to expand my music taste so I'm definitely going to check them out I got that cool. noted down here now <laughs> okay great <laughs> and I do think sometimes like uh, classical music can be quite boring because you yeah. don't recognize <laughs> anything and you're like is this song ever going to end <laughs> whereas with the Brooklyn duo and hearing um uh, like uh, orchestrated covers you're like oh I know this song so it's I don't know you can have a different fondness for it okay I'm gonna take your word I'm gonna check them out today cool. for sure. <laughs> now there has been a lot about there has been a lot of talk about your upcoming return to wrestling so what do you think the biggest difference is between the Taylor Wilde we saw 10 years ago and the Taylor Wilde of today for sure um so I kind of grew up in the business, like in my formative years, like yeah. I started training when mm -hmm. I was just 18 mm -hmm. and I was, uh, signed by WWE by the time I was 20. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I was with TNA until I was, uh, 25 years old. So in a business where you're trying to find out who you are and you have people telling you who you are, you don't really get a sense of who you truly are. Um, and I think I was, as much as I tried to be true to myself, I was also trying to fit in boxes in the wrestling mm -hmm. world. You know, it's pretty hard to avoid, even though I say I'm a misfit and I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, it's still a business mm -hmm. and you, you do still have to fit in somewhere. Uh, over these past 10 years, I've truly, truly grasped, uh, who Chantal Molosky and who Taylor Wilde is. And I, uh, totally understand who I wanted to be then but the biggest difference is I know that I can be my own biggest advocate mm -hmm. and I really know my self-worth as an artist as an entertainer and as a professional wrestler so this Taylor Wilde Taylor Wilde 2.0 the resurrection mm -hmm. is just basically an extension of who I used to be you're gonna see the girl who just never stood up for herself entirely and someone who really knows who they are and you know, also this Taylor Wilde is coming back as a vet and that's a pretty mm -hmm. privileged position. And, uh, yeah. Now I know when you initially retired, you kind of mentioned it earlier briefly. I know you went to further pursue your degree in psychology, but before you left TNA, how did you balance your schoolwork with being on the road and TV tapings and all that? Oh, how did you do that? God, it was a goddamn nightmare. <laughs> Truly. Like, I don't know why I did it. It was just, I was so hell bent on having mm -hmm. the safety net. It was yeah. the only thing that kept me sane. 
So what would happen? I was actually um, doing my degree while I was with WWE. Like I literally continued mm-hmm. it from 2004 on. Okay. So mm-hmm. what I do is I would do as many online classes as I could. Online learning back in 2004 <laughs> wasn't as accessible as it is now. Um, I'd have to call the university. I would have to, uh, hire an invigilator at whatever town I was going to be in, uh, at said university. So I don't know, let's just say, for example, it was uh, UCLA. I'd have to pay X amount of dollars to have the exam shipped from Toronto, York university to that university, then plus pay an invigilator. Yeah. It was like, it was like my degree probably cost double, but, um, it's like chain uh, mail. Yeah. But you know what? When you're traveling so much, I found it was really easy to study in a way because you sit in the airports, you're in the hotel room. So I just, you know, I wasn't, I would party now and again, but really I would, you know, like I said, I'm kind of an introvert. So I -hmm. I found it quite easy to study and I liked having something to do because you know, no one likes to be, well, for me personally, if I bored, then I spend too much time in my brain. So it was actually a happy balance. Again, more I can do the the more I can do. Fair enough. And I know after you got your degree in 20, you got your degree in 2011, correct? Was it? Yeah. 20, okay. yeah. Now in 2011 too, I know you led an all women's class of wrestlers with the likes of NXT's Aaliyah and Alexia Nicole, who I've had on the show before. So oh, nice. what are some of the big things you taught to those aspiring wrestlers? You think they, they away? <laughs> you could ask any of them. I, smashed it into their brains like wrestling is an incredible incredible sport you can Mm -hmm. see the world there's this beautiful sisterhood but you have to have a plan b like you have to have an education or something at the end of the day you can fall back on and not just because wrestling is this volatile sport that you know inevitably has an expiry date Mm -hmm. on it because it is but I feel like your self-worth is much higher when you have other things. Like when you go into wrestling and that's all you want and that's all you have, it controls like your entire emotional stability. And, you know, people can see it in you when you have more to offer and you are more of a commodity to a major company when you are multifaceted. And I just think it's good for your ego. It's good for who you are to have more. And uh, I'm proud to say that Alexia and uh, Aaliyah, uh, NXT's Aaliyah, who were both my first students in that only class I had of all women, they both took that from me and they did get education. So I feel really good about that. It's amazing too to see how far you've come between between you you know you had like a seven eight year career and then you retire and then you go on to teach other people but you're talking about now the resurrection of Taylor Wilde Taylor Wilde two so what have you been doing to prepare for your official in ring return have you added any new moves to your repertoire or what does your preparation look like. It's well, of course, there's there was shaking the ring rust off, and mm-hmm. I have a really amazing wrestling family in Toronto. Chris Chambers, who I trained with originally, yeah. he has a wrestling school called Super Kicked. Um, so that's you know been a, a an integral part. Once pre lockdown, I'd be mm-hmm. there once or twice a week for two to three hours a class. Um, I've been an athlete my whole life. I haven't stopped physically working out mm-hmm. since I was about 16 years old. So I've, it's lifelong. And as a firefighter, um, you know, I'm actually probably a lot physically stronger than I was, 
uh, my first uh, mm-hmm. part of my career because I had to start training functionally. I had to pass all these tests that are, you know, rated for your average six foot, 200 pound mm-hmm. dude because <laughs> <laughs> there's no women's equipment on the fire department and men's equipment. There is equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, truly one thing that I'm, that I've done differently and it's kind of gone hand in hand with the podcast is I've been soul searching um, and brainstorming with an amazing woman, Rochelle Duras. She's also my producer and editor of the podcast mm-hmm. Wild On. We've done a lot of character work and um, done some acting lessons and things that I never did before because the athletic part always came natural to me, mm-hmm. but the talking part and the actual characterization of who Taylor Wilde is always fell short. And mm-hmm. I wanted to come back knowing who I was as a character and feeling like stoked to do promos and vignettes. Whereas before I'd be like, Oh God, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do with my hands. So um, there's been a lot of work on the mental aspect of being a professional wrestler and a performer uh, and not just the physical. Definitely too. It's so like all around, like we said earlier, like in life, it's all around encompassing like promo work, physical stuff, character work, the psychology behind it, everything. So I'm really, really excited for your in-ring return. What do you think is the biggest things that fans can expect from you then once you do finally return wherever that may be? Fun. Fucking fun. Wrestling is fun. (laughs) I feel like that was so much loss at the end of my career. Somewhere along the line, it just became a job. And that's Mm -hmm. when I always said I'd call it quits. But uh, coming back now, I'm coming back as a choice because I've wanted to come back. And I feel like I have so much to offer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Taylor Wilde, it's like, let's get wild. Let's have fun. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I want to bring back is that fun to uh, the women's division. Especially, too, as a veteran, too, I feel like you have some ups on the newer crop of talent too you have kind of have an excuse to kind of do what you want and have absolutely (laughs) yeah it's very different it's very different coming back as a mess now i've also heard you say you've been researching and studying the work of other wrestlers including killer kelly so who else have you been deeply observing or enjoying and what have you gained the most from this research sure uh I've said it so many times, but it's honest to goodness, the truth. I think Io Shirai is an incredible talent, absent of gender. Like she is truly like nothing else. Like, you know, Japanese training, uh, a lot of those women are incredible athletes are hard hitting, but she is so multifaceted and she's found a niche for herself in the North American market. And I don't think there's been, uh, you know, she's finally getting her time to shine, but, uh, I would love to have a match with her. Uh, I really love Diana Perrazzo. I think she's bringing a different flavor to women's wrestling, you know, more the methodical, more the technical. I think women's wrestling over the past two to three years has moved to more of a hard hitting, high flying style. And she's kind of brought everything back to basics and slowed it down and added her own uh, virtuosa flair to things. Uh, you know, every, there, there are so many women in each major promotion mm-hmm. that I, I have, uh, things that I really, really like. I'm just, I'm so proud of what women's wrestling has become in the past 
uh, certainly 10 years, but even just in the past five years, the, the talent pool has become so vast and so deep. And uh, I really feel like we've moved to this place. Where we're so far away from the divas era that, uh, you know, it's, it, it's totally acceptable that women are having singles matches with the men yeah. and intergender matches aren't necessarily like tag matches. They're mm-hmm. not these like campy, fluffy, ha ha. They're like, <laughs> competitive mm-hmm. matches it's uh just as a wrestling fan and as a, a feminist and i mean that in a positive not non-derogatory way i mean that in a way that feminism is about equality yes. um not superiority we're just moved into such an amazing place where everybody is kind of on the equal playing field and you're not saying anymore oh yeah she's good for a woman uh, it's, it's just such a refreshing, uh, place to be. And I love it. And, and I'm, I'm so excited for where wrestling is and where we're going. Women's too, especially like you said, has kind of become like a revolution to where now we're on the same level as the guys, if not better to where we're having intergender matches, you know, they've been mix and matching everybody because everybody is just as talented. So it's definitely really, really exciting to see the likes of people like Deanna Prazo, like taking over impact. You have Io Shirai taking over NXT, who she's incredible. I, I oh, love yeah. that woman so much. <laughs> and it's so amazing to see you kind of it's gonna be really cool to see you kind of in both eras too because we don't get that a lot you were back with the og knockouts and all that but now you're coming back with this new crop of talent and we get to see some dream matchups that maybe would we would have never seen if you hadn't returned so it's really really cool to see you kind of in both eras and how much has changed since there cool yay now I am now looking back on your career in wrestling. I'm curious, who's the coolest person you've been able to meet or hang out with because of wrestling? Ooh. So I don't think I can narrow it down to just <laughs> I'm gonna can say name a few. Sure. Okay. So uh Samoa Joe, that's always been my boy. Yes. I love him. He's such a good human. No one can make me laugh like he can. And it's a total platonic brother and sister relationship. Uh he will always have my heart though. Um when I worked with WWE, uh I'd have to say the Undertaker, it, mm-hmm. I got along with him surprisingly well. I had a a few uh times that I traveled and He's a gentleman. That's the, you know, for such a big, mm-hmm. daunting rock star of a man, uh, he, he's very, very polite. He's quite soft spoken. And, uh, I really enjoyed, uh, having built a little bit of a relationship with him. Oh, and, uh, hands down, Booker T. I got to <laughs> uh, travel with him quite a bit and, uh, hang out and have some fun on some overseas tours that him and Charmel together, they are just, they are so much fun. And, and Booker is an incredible performer, but he's one of those that different backstage as he is when he's on the stage. And, uh, Oh, you can imagine how fun that is. <laughs> it's really cool to hear some backstage stories because we don't always get insight into people like behind their characters and all that. So it's cool to hear that you had a great experience with someone like The Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's the truth. Like at the end of the day, uh, they're all just people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, like I said, I have a, I- I'd like to say 
I'm a kind of one of those empathic people and mm-hmm. I decide within 30 seconds to a minute if I like you, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, has its positives and negatives, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot of pretty good people in the wrestling world. And I'm, I feel very blessed and fortunate that I've been able to be a part of that family. Definitely too. Now with people you've met, you've also recently started a women's wrestling podcast wild on last year. You've had some guests, like you said, you've had Samoa Joe. I know you've had Natalia and you recently had Trish Stratus. So for those who maybe aren't familiar with it, what was your intention behind creating wild on? Absolutely. Um, For me, I have always noticed that even though the internet is this deep, vast, Mm -hmm endless knowledge thing uh there is not a lot of information about professional wrestler women of professional wrestling Mm -hmm. past who they are on screen or in the ring Mm -hmm. you know i've known some of these women for you know 15 16 years and so many of them are incredible incredible uh deep layered humans you know they're they're artists and they're academics and they're mothers and they're entrepreneurs and i thought god you know you open their wikipedias and it's just mm-hmm. like who they've been a champ where they've had yes. championships mm-hmm. and you know just really superficial information um and uh, you know as they are my girlfriends, it was twofold. I, I've always tried to write, but you know, writing is this skill and this set of patience. I just, I don't have. Um, so <laughs> I feel like I've always had all these stories I wanted to tell and, uh, I wanted to do it in a fun way. So it's kind of like my audible autobiography, yeah. but mm-hmm. I've also wanted to showcase these incredible women who I've been lucky enough to call my friends and, you know, as someone who wanted to make this uh, a podcast of inclusivity, I was like, well, that's pretty sexist that I'm only focusing on the women. Um, so I decided that it was important to also showcase and tell the story of the men who have been, you know, pivotal in women's wrestling as they've always been pro women. They've mm-hmm. always been one to help. And at the end of the day, these are men like Joe is a business dude through and through Mm -hmm. and he knows what's good for women's wrestling is good for him because it's good for the show so he's always someone who's massively helped me in my career just with like little nuances and uh he's always someone who's taught me to really be your biggest advocate and to know your self-worth so wild on is a place that you're gonna get an intimate look at women and men of professional wrestling who I've had personal interactions with and maybe that I've been meeting for the first time. Uh, but you're always going to get something a little different because I've lived the life as a professional wrestler. I lived the life for, you know, seven, eight years. And uh, these are my people. The, the, this is my kingdom of misfits. So that's what you're going to get from Wild On. Now, speaking of your people, season <laughs> two of Wild On recently began with the premiere episode of Trish Stratus. So how was that collaborating with one of your inspirations? Totally surreal. <laughs> <laughs> totally surreal, especially the way that it happened. I saw her tweet you. <laughs> I saw what that. What is that? What is life? <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, you know, I as I was coming into the business, Trish was on her way out. Like she, she, she had retired. So, you know, there's the Canadian connection where we knew of each other, but we didn't know each other personally because just timing. 
So, um, I did, I, 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 I didn't ever think that was going to happen. And for her to ask me, mm-hmm. she could be on my podcast. <laughs> Girl. Girl. I know. I remember yeah. that day I saw and I'm like, I'd be freaking out too, Taylor. I remember that day. Yeah. And you know what? She's, she's wonderful. She's just, you know, a, a down to earth Toronto home girl. And, uh, you know, she is also a mom of two beautiful yes. kids and mm-hmm. we're in phase one lockdown right now. So, uh, she's got kids too. Her eldest is at home and her mm-hmm. toddlers in preschool. So, you know, we had to work around the changing environment mm-hmm. and she was excellent to reschedule with and she was a blast and, uh, God, what a way to kick off season two. Like, you know, I was fangirling the whole time myself. So, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to the episode, but, uh, oh, you have. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, she, she was a, it was, God, it was a trip. She was a blast. And if you haven't listened, please do listen. Guys, fucking Trish Stratus. Right. <laughs> Isn't that cool when you get to like work with some of your inspirations, but you know, you kept it, even though you might've been fangirling inside, you still kept it professional and cool. So oh, well, thank you. Thank you, girl. <laughs> now, can you give us a little glimpse into any upcoming guests or episodes ideas you have for season two on Wild On? Just a little glimpse. Yeah, of course. Uh, I will say, cause you're going to find out in the next few days. Um, my second guest is NXT's Aaliyah um, mm-hmm. is a long time coming. She was, as you know, my very first student yes. of my only all women's class. This is her first interview in six years since she was signed for uh, from WWE. Uh, this season, we're going to delve into a little bit more, uh, a little bit more substance. Uh, I'm going to dive into some subjects that I touched on, things like diets the wrestling diets um romance in the ring how many wrestlers are are dating some nightmare stories a little bit of fun um i talked to some new and upcoming impact superstars both male and female i'm gonna have more wwe and nxt superstars i'm really personally excited about season two like kicking off season one was a blast because i really got to showcase all my all my friends and family in the business uh but this season i'm uh meeting a lot of people for the first time and uh yeah it's it, it's gonna it's gonna be good it's gonna be really good not to toot my own horn but uh yeah <laughs> Toot your own horn, horn girl. Like you said, <laughs> advocate for yourself. Know your worth. If you're excited for it, we're excited for it. Uh, genuinely, though, like if you have a passion for something, people are going to see that and want to be invested in it. So I know oh. I'm excited anyway. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Now, lastly, we are all about hashtag girl power here on A Wrestling Gal. So who are some females in your personal or professional life who inspire or empower you the most? Oh, that is, that is a loaded question. There's so many. Uh, sorry, I have so many inspirations musically, mm-hmm. in the wrestling world, um, my family. I can't pick one. I, you know what? I have so much respect for the women that have come before me because mm-hmm. generationally we're changing. Yeah. Uh, so much. And, you know, what was acceptable 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I will say, uh, my, my grandma on my mom's side and my Bobchi, uh, Polish grandma on my dad's side, those were two 
badass bitches, but they weren't, they were just a product of their environment. Like Mm -hmm. my grandma, she had to drop out of school at 17 to raise seven kids because she was the eldest and her Mm -hmm. mom died of tuberculosis. And that was, that was just, that was life. And then she came, she left the East coast of Canada, came to Toronto, started a life here with no education, worked in a Campbell soup factory, raised three kids on her own. And it was just, that was life. And, you know, people might look at that like, "Eh, she was just a domesticated housewife. But like, I don't know if a lot of us millennials or elder millennials could you know, rise to the occasion of something like that. And my babcha, she was ripped from Nazi Poland at 16 years old, dumped in Africa. Uh, and, uh, you know, just th- th- there's pictures of her just making the best of it. They would just go to dances, use exotic plants as lipstick. And she didn't talk a lot about what happened to her in the war, but she came to Toronto, uh, in her, early thirties, I believe, not being able to speak any English and became a cleaning lady for the city of Toronto. Again, raised three kids essentially all by herself. And I just think to myself, like, if those women, my, my grandparents, my my grandmas were able to rise to the occasion Mm -hmm. facing so much adversity, adversity (laughs) that like we couldn't even fathom, like to me, that is girl power. But uh, and then the women that blazed past for us in 2021, you know, Trish Stratus, she was a trailblazer, yeah. you know, um, God, like the, the list, I, I couldn't even, <laughs> I just, I'm, I think women are just such fucking warriors and it's not because they are better than, but we've just not had the equality. We've not had all the same opportunities that your average male would have. I so agree. I'm just, Watching any woman, doesn't matter what she did, what she does, who she is, where she came from, if you are doing well in your industry and you're just getting the same equal chances as our male counterpart, that is girl power. Loving yourself, any size, girl power. Just do you. That is girl power. So in short, I hope that answers your question. Yes. Wise (laughs) words of Taylor Wilde, everybody. I love that. I really, really do, though. Like you said, though, in any industry, like is if you're excelling and you're passionate about it, more power to you, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean that from like the mm-hmm. bottom up, if, if you are an exotic dancer and you love it, or maybe that's your only choice and that's mm-hmm. your means to am- end, like I can, as long as you are happy and you're not being forced to anything, if you feel successful, fucking great, no one should be, uh, you know, we're just, we're just held to these different standards. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm all about is, uh, smashing through stigmatizations, be it feminism, mental health issues, coming back from traumatic childhood. Um, I just, I think life is so fucking messy. And I mean that from mm-hmm. the bottom of my oh, heart. I agree. <laughs> we are all not broken, but we were all challenged individuals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we all are just honest with ourselves and we support each other, and I don't mean to sound so kumbaya, but in 2021, Mm -hmm. let's just all be kind. Let's just all, you know, love yourself, be kind to others. And let's, you know, just do our best because our world is fucking upside down right now. (laughs) That's putting it lightly, girl. (laughs) 
but honestly though like it's so important to like like you said in any industry it's important to support each other because i mean we're all each other have you know especially in this mess of a world right now and yeah. that's putting that's an understatement but it's it's true so i definitely agree with all of your regards you just <laughs> <laughs> cool and i apologize if i'm rambling i no. am sleep deprived no you're good that's okay. the life of taylor wilde she's always on the go <laughs> <laughs> it's true now before i let you go can you please tell the listeners where they can find yourself on social media and where they can listen to wild on absolutely uh you can find me on instagram and twitter at real taylor wild that's wild with an e and wild on is found on every major podcast platform your spotify's your apple music your stitcher if you're not familiar with all these different uh podcast platforms you go to anchor and anchor will literally anchor you to all the major podcast platforms so check it out anchor.fm slash wild on i believe yes thank you girl <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me today taylor it's been an honor oh and thank you so much for having me uh i just this has probably been one of the most well-researched uh interviews so thank you for taking the time out and not asking me the same generic <laughs> questions uh you did an incredible job so please anytime you want to have me i would be honored to be back Oh, I would love to. I'm going to keep you up on that. I'm going to keep okay. up to it. Thank you Absolutely. so much again. It's been a lot of fun. Yes, yes, it has. And you have a wonderful day and stay healthy and safe and sane. You too.